Good evening, and welcome to the Book of Very, Very Bad Things podcast. I'm your host, Peter. As the millennium masticates and swallows the scant flesh left upon the bones of the corporate record industry machine, independent artists have grown more clever and monetizing approach. One doesn't merely just sell merch now. Now you're a brand. One doesn't merely appear on radio spots and MTV videos. You have a YouTube, a TikTok, an Instagram, and a Twitch channel. This is the generation of self-directed, all-encompassing independence. Queen of the Static Opera employs all these methods, while writing and performing dark electronic music that harkens back to a time long before the advent of the technological stockpile she utilizes to distribute it. A spiritualist excising the scars of her past with scalpel precision, her melodious voice, and a cutting, biting commentary, giving voice to the afflicted who cling to her work. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Queen of the Static Opera on the Book of Very, Very Bad Things um, podcast. So, with the name of the album and you know all of the spirit the dark spirituality in mind uh it that name of it it, it reminds me of like sexual violence too and yeah. that's something that you know it's it's personal to me because i i grew up with that in my my life specifically and it feels like you're trying to speak to those people as well like throw up a flag like you know you're not this isn't just you yeah. You know, and I kind of I called that from it. And yeah. I think I think a lot of people have as well. And lyrically, I mean, it, it, you're not spelling it out, but it's there. Yeah. No, you know? I'm glad it's there. That's exactly what I was going for. Um, I don't like to sit around and talk about the sexual violence elements of it because it's like very graphic or anything, but <laughs> it's very graphic and dark. But um, yeah, like it's about it's for people who've been abused. Yeah. yeah. I think all my music is for people who've been abused, to be honest. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I'm sure normal people can like it too. I don't really mm -hmm. know if they'll resonate with it because, because I've been abused. I, that's the frequency I'm on. That's what I'm going to talk about. It's what I'm working through with this mm -hmm. music. So I'm hoping I can offer people healing because that's also a lot of what is attracted to me. Some of my favorite music is that, that element of it too. Um, so and and sometimes like I do there's like the sexual violence element that's edge I guess it kind of like seems like maybe I'm glamorizing it and there's things like like bruises on my neck it's like not really a song about that's not like a song about anything malicious per se um so I think I have a complicated I think most abuse survivors have a really complicated relationship with sex and violence in one thing yeah. Um, and that's kind of what it's about too. Like it's complicated because in one, on one sense, I'm presenting myself, you know, in this certain way on the other side, uh, I'm a victim of, of abuse. So I'm working through my own, own trauma and trying to find my own power back and take my power back, take my power back for all like the, my family, that people have been through things that were just, just awful. Um, yeah, because it seems like you you do have uh, you're very sex positive in in your in your photographs and stuff, uh, and but there's also that uh, that part of you that 
how do I put this? You, it's sex positive, but it's also sex powerful. Yeah. Where it's like, you, you can't possibly hurt me anymore. I mean, yeah. this, is, this is mine. You can't have it anymore. That, that's sort of what, I, what I've gleaned from it uh, musically and visually. And I think that resonates with everyone who uh, really listens to your music and enjoys it. I think that's, that's, um, it's inherent to what you're doing. Yeah. How does that, how do you carry that? Is, does it, that, do you feel like that's a big weight on you still, even though you're, you're sort of purging it musically? It's a big weight on my life period. I mean, it's always been a weight on my life. I think our culture in particular is sort of designed to make things be a certain way and um, we're programmed from such a young age to view things a certain way. For me, um, it was even hard for me to, like, I remember when I was, when I was like, the first time I had like a real photo shoot ended up to be a pretty horrendous experience, for instance. It didn't take away that I was gonna do more photo shoots out of that, after that though, but I still have that fear when I go into a photo shoot, even if I bring somebody with me and it's like, if I don't know the person, I'll be nervous about it. And, you know, that's why I think like people being, a, you know, healing from it is like an ever going process. It's probably going to be, you're probably going to be healing from that kind of for your whole life. Mm -hmm. um, like I was talking about Scorpio earlier, but I do think that Scorpio rules the dark sexuality. So trying to take from the positive side of Scorpio is what I do when I'm like sex positive in a way. Um, and empowered, but also like the element of like, I'm angry, you know, too, I'm angry. And I want to like, I think in a weird way, I try to be like, I feel scary sometimes. <laughs> and that <laughs> helps me kind of <laughs> get through it as I like to feel like I'm a monster rather than I'm a victim. Mm -hmm. uh, Which is where the horror movies come in too, for people like us, I think, because you're weaponizing that that fear you're weaponizing that horror and yeah. you're wearing that as your that's your totem that that's your costume that's your armor yeah you're confident in yourself that way and you you feel less uh, vulnerable that way and um for me i wanted to i guess like i said like that element of the album was important to me because I just knew that that I had to say something about it because it was something I just had I think about so much unfortunately yeah but I couldn't not say anything about it um I think my next album will more be about just my personal emotions more which I think will be therapeutic and help people too because a lot of people have been through similar things that we've experienced mm. um and they can learn from it, you know, men or women or non-binary or whatever, doesn't matter. I, I mean, I, I've actually met quite a few male males that have been sexually assaulted, right? And nobody yeah. talks about it. And uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I think, I don't wanna say I wanna sit in like, I'm not, not here to be like a spokesperson for people who've been assaulted or anything. Like right. I'm not trying to do that. It was just more, the story of my family and um, the things that I think affect a lot of the choices I make in my life ended up sort of being related to some elements of that. So I want people to feel empowered um, when they listen to my music. I want them to feel like they can take their power back and that they can, you know, get out of 
the dark place and the that kind of thing brings you the psychological mind fuck that it is or we all because <laughs> it's like such a fucked up thing right because they that's the only kind of thing where you're victimized but they'd make you feel like you did something wrong which is like the weird part it's so easy to believe like maybe this was my fault like, that's what? part of the grooming process unfortunately right. exactly like i'm supposed to that's what it's, it's like always funny to me like like if you're like a victim you're supposed to like not be able to be sex positive as you said which is like you're supposed to you know not like it's your fault because you acted like a hoe <laughs> like yeah, yeah. your fault <laughs> mm -hmm. like I don't I mean I think like we're getting closer to some sort of understanding of it more than we used to have which is awesome but yeah we're still far away I don't know well I mean I think it's I think all of these these negative things that we've spoken of are all interrelated though everything from the the demonic spirituality to uh, people who are not only willing but crave uh, crave victimization that they, they want to victimize people and that's their sexuality I mean I think that's that's all interrelated I think there's a, there's a, a tie that binds all of that together what it is I don't know but yeah. the, that that side of reality, unfortunately, all sort of falls together. And it's not the same side of darkness that you get from listening to Danzig or, or uh, Mayhem or anything like that. It, it comes more from a... Uh, it, it's a hidden evil. Yeah. It, it's, a face, it's almost a faceless evil because it can come from the most normal looking in the most normal acting people yeah. in your life no or in people who are totally like uh it is interesting how people who are like predatorial are able to put on that face and like not you know it's very interesting how they can manipulate people like i've seen i've seen for myself like i've seen like a predator like this is nothing to do with hollywood this is when i played a sport i, mm -hmm. I played a sport with this guy who was basically like a predator and he ended up, and the team was like a mixed gender team, but there were a lot of women because I used to play roller derby. Yeah. So it was like, it's kind of more of a female dominated sport. And it's like a sport all about, you know, being strong and togetherness. And like, we're all like warriors and <laughs> everything <laughs> is cool. But I saw this guy was able to like manipulate half of the, half of the fucking league and like assault the other half of the league. And I witnessed this, like, I was, because he never really assaulted me, because I think he was scared of me. This <laughs> <laughs> kind of, like, I'm going to tell on you thing about me. Like, people don't, unless they're, like, very inebriated, they're usually not that stupid. Yeah. But that guy was, like, he was, like, a low-key predator and was able to, like, manipulate. It was crazy. Like, he would manipulate, like, like a mom and, like, assault the daughter who's, like, 12 or something. Not to get super dark. And right. like be able to manipulate the mom because the mom is so broken from her experiences that she's like, I used to know a girl who literally was just like, oh, molestation just happens. Like, what? No, it doesn't. What? I used to know a girl who actually was so groomed, so heavy that, that she thought that. And that's why she allowed somebody to abuse her daughter. So like. Because it was a rite of passage almost. 
I don't fucking know. That's and that's the kind of thing when I made like "Make America Gently with a Chainsaw." Or I just said I just said my own title wrong. <laughs> make whatever you know. When I released that album, it was like uh, it was like just I realized how much it had affected so much of my life. And in a way, a lot of people, especially when you're younger, you're kind of like naive to it. You don't really understand what's going on to the degree until you're you know you until it like has been a little a couple of years and it really sinks in like what happened to me you know like mm-hmm. this happened to me because when like a lot of times the victims say too like when something happens you you freeze and you don't know what's going on like i've had stuff like that happen to me totally where like i just like froze up and was like what's happening yeah <laughs> so i don't know our culture is like getting better at least we're talking about it now um, yeah which is good and I hope that we become more inclusive of like all victims, because I think a lot of the reason why it doesn't resonate fully with a lot of men is because we exclude them from it without being like men are are just as like a victim of the toxic system in a way as we are, just in a different way. In a different way, yeah. In a way, too. We're all like programmed through this toxic system that we need to reprogram, basically. Mm-hmm. And maybe these talks are while I'll never get on any mainstream coverage. So maybe I should never talk about this. I should uh, probably shut up. <laughs> I just thought about that. Well, think about this. Tori Amos was very, very plain about things that had happened to her and on her first her first solo album because she was in that glam rock band first that why can't Tori read? But on her first solo album, there was a song called uh, Me and a Gun. Yeah. You know, and it's about her being assaulted. Mm -hmm. And she was always upfront about it. And that album was when it went platinum. Yeah. (laughs) So maybe, maybe you're wrong. I hope so. (laughs) Because I I do, it's, it's sad to say I legitimately do worry, like, maybe I should have never talked about that. Because what if that impacts me negatively? in my career. Um, I, I, I don't think it will because I, in, in all honesty, uh, listening to, I, I knew by listening to the music and the lyrics, I, I figured it out pretty immediately. Mm-hmm. And that attracted me to it. The, sa- okay. the, the sonics attracted me to it, the frequencies, but yeah. you know, the content uh, solidified that for me because it, it made it uh it made it hit home for me in a personal way, but it also, it, I knew it was authentic. I knew it wasn't contrived. Yeah. Thank you know, you. and no, totally. I, I mean, think, and there's so many victims too. So like, what are they going to listen to? You know, me, right. I, I gravitate towards music like that too. That's the music I listen to um, because like, there are so many people like us, you know? Yeah. It's time that they, I hope, I hope, in the future, we hear more about people like us from some mainstream perspective, rather than just this like generic. It's crazy too, because you think of like probably all the abuse like those super mainstream pop stars go through, and uh-huh. like they can never talk about it. You know, they can't write a song about it. Like, I guess being alternative is like on the plus side of being any like any kind of alternative is they want you to talk about that kind of stuff in this sort of music. So it's like we want to hear something deep and meaningful. We don't want to hear you know, just surface level stuff. We want to 
work through our problems with this music. So I don't know. Hopefully, it won't affect me. But yeah. Well, I mean, look at the look at the place you're coming from, though. You're you already come from music. You already have that um, ability basically built in. So that's a plus. You're yeah. brutally honest and a good storyteller. That's a plus. And you believe in the dark side of, of uh, and the dark and light side and the spiritual side of reality. That's going that I mean, that's just you're as open as a human being can get. Yeah. Take it yeah. or take it or leave it. That's real. That's a real people, I am very people honest. see that. People see that. I think that shines through. That's, and I, I think because I, I come from the school of like, because my, my dad's era of music, like you were supposed to be really real, that I always came from the school of like, aren't you supposed to write about this stuff? You know what I mean? Like I thought that's what you were supposed to do. Like, aren't you supposed to be honest? Of course, I later realized a lot of musicians and artists aren't really honest. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and they're just more like, a lot there are like even some musicians who just like play into the darkness and they're not really that dark but now it's trendy to be dark so they're trying to make themselves seem more tragic yeah which for me as somebody who's actually been through tragic things it's like you girl you do not want to be this tragic <laughs> like or you really don't <laughs> trust me which is why i always say my songs are empowering it's about being the hero at the end it's not about just like sulking in my own despair and saying like feel bad for me don't feel bad for me i'm fine i'm great i am okay like yeah i've been through dark things but i'm okay and you can be okay too like that i feel like is my main message i'd like to think i just hope that that message is is pure enough that it will resonate with enough people that i can keep doing this um that's really all i hope for i guess yeah i think it's working and you have to think about the early 90s come to mind with this subject matter in the early 90s, with the advent of what they called new metal, uh, we had everybody from Korn to Marilyn Manson coming out. And and then later on, somebody like uh, uh, Linkin Park. All of these people, all of these front men were some of the first, in, in, to my estimation and recollection, uh, who were men. To, they were the first to come out and say, yes, this I was sexually abused as a child all three all three of these people at one point or another first yeah. album for the first two people uh you know so that that was all that for you especially like that's got to be some of your earliest musical memories corn marilyn manson i mean as far as what was happening at the moment so honesty was occurring at that point so you, you kind of almost got permission by osmosis because yeah. those early 90s figures were really Talk being honest yeah and it's okay to like you know be honest now i i think like because sort of the night everybody everything is patterns right so i think like the 90s we were going through that period of really real music the 2010s we went back to like sort of like the, the not real music you know so much and then i think like now we're sort of reaching a phase especially with quarantine um and all that stuff people are facing like actually complex emotions inside of themselves people mm -hmm. who don't usually face them i think because yeah. i usually face them all the time but there are people who don't face them <laughs> and, you know 
live about their life that now are, are facing complex, dark emotions. And um, I'm not saying to, I think you can face your trauma in a fun way. Like that's kind of what I do too. Like it's fun. I, I don't consider my music depressing. As I said, no. I want it to uplift you. So like, I don't know. I, I, a lot of my first experiences with music totally were with like that metal stuff. Like the first studio I ever went to was a metal studio. It was like a real studio. Of course, I was like 10. <laughs> so yeah. then I later realized um, by the time I was like 15, you could have a studio in your laptop. So at that point, I kind of went down my own path of, you know, I, I didn't necessarily need to like hire a studio, but there were things I thought I had to do when I was younger that I didn't end up doing, like the traditional way of doing things. Mm-hmm. I, my attachment to that music from that era and those artists are like super heavily, I just have such an attachment to them. And I worry about it too because I'm like, what if people think I'm older than I am because of my music taste? <laughs> I only really like name check a lot of really like older artists at some of the time. Um, and, and there are new artists I appreciate and like, but I think most of the new artists that are really good, like I, I love, um, I actually really like a lot of the weekend's music, his early music, for instance, mm-hmm. because a lot of that takes a lot of like samples from like Sting and Susie and the Banshees. He yeah. put a new story over it. You know, some of the story is not like, regardless of whatever the content of the story is, like, that's interesting to me. That was something different. When people came out, it was it was interesting. And I, I do think there's this place like, like Lana Del Rey is kind of interesting. Like it's thought provoking her original material. I'm not really a huge fan of the stuff she does now. But mm-hmm. like when it, the content, the stuff she was talking about was thought thought provoking and it was interesting and it was dark. And um, I think like, I think we need more musicians that are younger like them. And I think they're gonna come out of quarantine, hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we'll have a couple more come out with some really good albums. Cause I personally, I personally would love if somebody came out with an album that would like blow my mind and inspire me. I would love that, you know? Yeah. I hope that we have more new music coming out like that. Cause like I said, I get attached to a lot of old music cause it feels like there's not as much meaning or depth in the new music. And it's hilarious cause you know, normal people want music that's meaningful. Like just, they do like normal people. If you ask them like what kind of music they like they're going to try to say whatever they think is like the deepest thing they like. Even if they're kind of like a basic person they're like Adele, <laughs> you know yeah. they're kind of like, like a real musician. That's why people love like Amy Winehouse and Kurt Cobain still. It's mm-hmm. like those people were so real and actually, and it resonated. And like, it's kind of weird because labels keep trying to put, they don't really know what people will like. So they keep trying to push these manufactured things. Do you think they would understand the public is like, I was saying, not as stupid as they think? Yeah. And even sometimes I, when I'm marketing, I realize like, I can't assume my audience doesn't, isn't smart enough to understand you know, what I'm doing, like tricks aside or stuff like marketing tricks and things like that. Like your audience is going to understand if it looks like you're selling something, which yeah. is why you have to be honest. And like, I don't know, for me, I've always been honest in my music because I thought that was the most important part about doing music was to be honest and have the music be true to like stuff you've actually experienced, stuff I've actually experienced. Um, what is the point of writing about some, you know, what is the point of writing otherwise, unless you're going to get something out? Yeah. Uh, there's really no point. And I'm a huge music fan. I know what it's like to be a lover of music, to be like a fanatical lover of music. So I, yeah, I don't know. I hope, hope, uh, I hope authenticity continues to be important. I really believe the audience 
and the general population wants authentic artists. I think that's why they typically, I think that's a lot of reason why they use a lot of dead artists nowadays, like XXMTation or Little Peep. Like these people actually barely got into their career, but yeah. they're because they're dead. <laughs> yeah. That's getting against them. I love, I actually like them. I'm not saying negative things about their music. I like them. I thought they were great artists. I wish they could have lived to develop their art more. Mm -hmm. um, but I think a lot of the reason they try to profit off of that is because to go along with that 27 club narrative, like this is a real artist. Yeah. You know, this is a one of those real artists. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's what they're trying to sell to us. So and that, that whole that whole tragic figure dying young, leaving the pretty corpse thing. That's not cool anymore, though. No, it, it just isn't. And it never really was. It was just romantic when I think I, I was younger and it seemed, you know, Jim Morrison and yeah. Jim, Jimi Hendrix all the way to uh, okay. Sean, Sean McCabe from the hardcore band, Dink and Dagger. They were like vampiric hardcore. They were crazy. They were great. He yeah. died at heroin overdose, 27 years old. At yeah. 27, 27, there's no, I mean, numerologically speaking, I'm sure there that is a bad luck number. I know it is. Yeah, but, it is. It's the Saturn return number. <laughs> what? I'm sorry. What is it? It's the Saturn return number. Okay, you're gonna have to explain that to me because <laughs> I am, as much as I am into uh, spirituality, uh, numerology and astrology, I'm uh, uneducated, not so, for a lack of interest. So Saturn is like so Saturn Satan. First off, that yeah. Okay, off yeah. the bat. <laughs> The cult of saturn and stuff like that if you look up like the history of it in like when like a psychic reads your palm say like each a planet and rules like all your hands so saturn actually rules your middle finger so fuck you <laughs> <laughs> like saturn is but but that's my point i'm saying like saturn is responsible for a lot of chaotic i don't it's kind of weird because i think it's the planet of restriction but for some reason i've noticed it co correlates with a lot of if the star place, if there's like a star placement going through Saturn that doesn't go well with Saturn, it just causes like absolute chaos. And so eventually we all go through like a Saturn return. I'm not really sure on the super details of it, but um, when around 27, we go through a Saturn return where we're either transformed to reach our fullest spiritual self or destruct depending upon um, what's in your chart and other factors and things like that. Um, so yeah, look up the Saturn return. I don't really, I can't really like tell you like as many details of it as I want to, but yeah. I've just come to a conclusion like it's kind of that point in your life where you're going to face, I'm not actually 27 yet, but, <laughs> but like, I imagine at that point of your life, it's kind of where you face your, it's, it's kind of where you face all your demons and either your demons are going to destroy you or you're going to come out of it better than before. Mm -hmm. um, and it's it's when I guess Saturn returns or something like that in the cycle or something like that. But we all have like a Saturn return date, as far as I know. And it's it's usually around when you're 27, yeah. Wow. Yeah. That makes that makes sense. Yeah. And, you know, the all of these people that died at that age, I mean, none of none of them died uh naturally or no. by a misadventure that had that didn't involve debauchery to some degree. Exactly. So, I mean, that makes utter sense. <laughs> yes, yes it, it does. Um, so, how old are you now? I am 24. You're 24? Yeah. Wow. I wish I was 24. 
it. Well, listen, you just be careful for the next three, four years. <laughs> Believe me, I know I'm prepared. I've noticed the signs already. Right. <laughs> I've been ready. Well, I think personally my Saturn return is actually going to be positive because like I've had a really, because I had like a very tough um, teenage life, sort of like my dad died and things like that when I was quite young. So mm -hmm. like I think I went through a lot of stupid shit earlier than um, like it's really good. Like I realized I couldn't drink for instance, cause I realized if I drink, I'm just going to drink like everything and be like way too drunk every time I drink. Um, so I stopped drinking, which I think like if I had come out to LA and had been like an alcoholic, I probably would have fucked up a lot of things. So there's, there's divine, divine timing with everything. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, <clears throat> I think it's absolutely incredible though, that I, I got a, I gleaned inspiration uh, by from a piece of music written by a person who's right around the same age as my daughter. And to me, that that uh, that speaks to not only your talent, but to the transcendence of, of, of what you're trying to accomplish, like how transcendent it is, if that makes sense. So you, you're spanning generations with your music right now. Good I mean, I don't, thank you. <laughs> Yeah, no, a lot of, a lot of uh, all sorts of people like my music, young people, older people. Um, I think too, like, I'm kind of a, I've always, I never really felt like a, a child when I was a child. Like mm -hmm. I felt like a very serious adult child. Mm -hmm. and, um, like I never, you know, I never had that same childlike innocence, I think. I, and it's funny because I, I can kind of seem sort of innocent, but I hold on to that innocence because I've never really had it. That's yeah. how I feel. Like I feel like I've never been innocent. So I try to hold on to part of me that is like that, even though I've never been like that. Like I, you know, I always to put it in like a I've always known Santa wasn't real. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I'm kind of kid. So yeah. like you couldn't I've always known there's just there was pretty pretty crazy stuff happening in my house when I was a kid. So I it just kind of made me grow up really fast i think also death of a parent at a young age makes you grow up really fast as well um definitely yeah i could imagine i thankfully i didn't have that to contend with um that would have just been the icing on a pretty dismal cake <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah depressing cake yeah yeah but as uh, i i can assure you of this much though that innocence that uh you know i didn't really have either when i was younger it almost returns to you that's what i'm hoping and kind of what i'm trying to, that's why i said I just sort of try to hold on to my innocence but there's never but it's not really like it's sort of me creating it like i'm not actually innocent i just i i, I understand how precious innocence is because yeah. i've known the lack of it you know, so I, that's why too, like, I'm not in terms of being like an artist, I'm not like going to be here just wearing all black with a raven on my shoulder being like super, <laughs> you know, that cause it's just not <laughs> because like, I'm not really necessarily trying to bring darkness to people's lives. Cause I know darkness isn't actually good. Like, yeah, and I love dark things. Don't get me wrong. I love dark things, but I'm not trying to 
go to a darker place in my life. I'm trying to go in a, a lighter place because I was born on a very dark place, like in a very, you know, a really um, suffering childhood kind of what I had. I was like a very lonely, weird kid. Um, I had a lot of weird like mannerisms and things and stuff like that from just like things that have happened to me and just stuff that made me really different from a lot of people and made it hard for me to make friends. So I internalized a lot and I, I, I was more into like, what could I do? So I got better at, I got better at um, writing than like most people probably would have ever gotten at because I didn't have any friends. <laughs> so like all I would do was like write or, you know, just doing music, writing songs or playing guitar or piano or performing or whatever. For me also it helped because so many musicians are so tragic when you look at their backstories, especially the great ones. Yeah. For me, those were the only kind of people I felt kindred with. Like I feel, and I do feel like that. If I watch like, a, like when I listen to like Tori Amos talk, like I really feel like I understand her probably more than just like a lot of other people feel because we're kind of a weird breed, you know, like we're only people, people who, choose this kind of life we're just a different different breed than most people and it's so yeah i guess for me it just made sense like i had to be a musician because otherwise there's no way to justify these things happening to me unless i could take these things write about them in a cathartic way and help other people the way other people's music helped me through dark times it sounds kind of like a little cliche and cheesy but it's true no, it's not. It's not cliche. I mean, that's almost the. It's almost the proof of purchase for becoming a musician. There has to be a modicum of sacrifice of innocence and, uh, you know, surviving pain, because it fuels it, doesn't it? Well, and music's a spiritual, spiritual thing. I think, and um, I think to make really good music, you need to evolve spiritually in certain ways. Otherwise the music will be, it will not resonate for a long time. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can look back like a lot of those 2000s pop artists. It's like their music sounds so bad now, <laughs> you yeah. know, like in comparison where like nineties music, it still sounds really good because it's, it's real. That's yeah. like difference, right? I'm not saying all 2000s artists were garbage or anything, but a lot of them were garbage. Mm -hmm. Not the band garbage, but actual garbage. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Trash. And you don't really go back and listen to it because it sounds so dated because it was so inauthentic. It was totally built on just trends like this is what's trendy. So we'll use this drum and this is what's trendy. So we'll use this melody line and it's trendy to write about this. And a lot of that music and there's music like that nowadays, people try to hop on other people's trends. And it's like that's going to look embarrassed it, 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 when it doesn't come from an authentic place. It's going to be looked back on as dated even if it's technically good and maybe some like music from a musician standpoint, it's going to be looked at as dated and not a great piece of art. Right. Because it will, if it can't resonate like throughout those generations from a, a place of truth, nobody's going to want to hear it. Going to want to hear it. Excuse me. Well, yeah. Think about, think about somebody like Frank Zappa, for example, he was never, uh, he was never uh, like a <clears throat> platinum artist for like, you know, let's, let's be real. He was popular ish. He was never yeah. platinum selling. He was never considered a, a rock star per se. Yeah. But he has such a cultish devotion mm -hmm. from his fans that he's never, ever, ever, ever going anywhere. 
there will always be Frank Zappa music in production. It's it's funny you said that because my dad used to live with Frank Zappa, <laughs> like a, like when he was in the, I think it was the seventies. He like broke Frank Zappa's lamp or something. Oh my god! It was cool. Like he was a very my dad chose another thing about my dad. Is he he chose the artistic path over the pop path. Like he could have taken the pop path, pop yeah. path. Excuse me, and he chose like. Uh, the Velvet Underground was another band he hung around a lot, like Lou Reed wow. and Frank Zappa. And those were like, as you know about them, you know, they're quite radical, yeah, very influential people. Um, and, and because of that, though, like like I said, because my dad cho made those choices, by the end of his life, he didn't have a lot of money. You know, he didn't have all that stuff that the guy from Aerosmith has, you know, yeah. <laughs> or whatever, because he chose... He chose the artistic path and the path of truth. But I do believe, like, I just, I do believe no matter how much corporations try to control what we hear, I, I do believe people are just going to get sick of it and they do want to hear something real. I just do believe that in my heart, no matter what. I, I believe in people. I believe that we all, I believe music is spiritual. And, and I don't know. I think in truth, a lot of the pop success might even be like, fake anyway like yeah. you know what i mean like do people really like this or is it just have a lot of money behind it you know well i think there was a lot of money behind it and familiarity you know it's pushed in their face pushed in your face it's got a catchy tune little kids are going to glom onto it. it it guarantees sales but it's britney spears for example <clears throat> her father or i believe it was her father bought like her first 25,000 albums or something like that. Yeah. Like they took a loan out and bought all those records just so she'd go gold, like yes. something ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> that's it is manufactured and yes. and there is there's a, a great amount of trickery involved in in the breaking of these artists. That's why I think in a weird way somebody like like Frank Zappa the Velvet Underground it's like their impact on music and culture and other musicians will always be so much deeper than those artists that kind of buy their fame anyway. Yeah. So I, I don't know. Anyway, uh, I remember my dad saying Frank Zappa was, was really interesting. Um, he loved living with him. Uh, wow. It was a very, very cool experience. My dad was like a really artistic kind of forward thinking guy. Like he was into like costumes on stage before people even did that. Like before Alice Cooper and stuff, he was like, making his bass player just like a wizard <laughs> just like weird shit <laughs> literally literally but <laughs> he was very much into just like radical i mean technically like it's funny because i'm now kind of like a pop i consider myself like a pop noise artist like if i were to put like maybe a basic label and then like the velvet underground is considered one of the first like noise bands so it's sure. like funny like stuff happens and i didn't mean to like become this dark artist or anything it just happened my dad hasn't even been alive for years, so it's nothing to do with his influence, but it's like it's in the water, <laughs> yeah. you know, and, and, and that, and it's kind of interesting too, because the stuff that I sort of didn't, like, I always liked these certain things. I didn't really care if they were popular when I was growing up, because I was from the class of my dad, where he was like this cool, you know, individualist, you know, nonconformist kind of, kind of lifestyle was like considered was what I considered good when I was growing up. Like mm -hmm. I thought it was bad to be a conformist. Um, so like, uh, yeah, it's just, I don't remember what I was going at this point. 
keep doing that a lot again. No, <laughs> it's non performance and then harsh noise music. And I was just gonna say, I guess, like, if you, I think, I mean, like, maybe if there is a divine plan, even with the powers that be in charge of everything, I think if somebody is supposed to be heard, they'll be heard. Yeah. Um, and it's and it's interesting with the internet kind of taking over music, and it's more about followers than if you're signed or even anything anymore. I mean, like, obviously, being signed can help, but it's so much about your follower count and what the co people responding to just your content that I think like I'm hoping this sort of like rogue internet generation of TikTok and stuff will make it so like we sort of have another '90s era of music in a weird way where like maybe some more meaningful music becomes part of a larger audience. Cause there is the problem with being indie, like it's hard, you know, the algorithm fixes it so that you can't really reach and get above certain numbers easily. Um, it's really hard to, to build yourself and the internet is putting even more rules to restrict independent creators, which is unfortunate. Um, Cause you do, I don't, I don't know, but. I think Bandcamp is the only, uh, they're like the last bastion of democratic streaming music. Definitely. Um, with the exception of, you know, the amount of money they do take when you sell things, which they, they have to make money too. It's completely understandable. But yeah. it, they are like the, the last bastion of free press as far as music's concerned and of streaming. Yeah, pretty much. Um nothing is free <laughs> no no it's no. Not. <laughs> nothing is free um plus i think i think like but I, I do think i mean there are so many interesting subgenres now though too like so like i'm i think it's kind of i think the TikTok generation of music is interesting it's sort of like uh what i think like i wasn't really old enough to be like a musician on myspace but i think it's sort of like the new myspace where you have potential to blow up from that, which is really cool. Mm -hmm. And I like that because they kind of restricted Facebook and Instagram a lot. Um, and, and it's weird too, because I, I don't think you're, you have to be careful what you say, you know, because your account is like, you could just get locked out of your account that has like a million followers and then be nobody, you know, it's, it's yep. weird. It's, it's a weird how our fame, fame and selling of music works nowadays so like i almost got locked out of my instagram and was like i should give up <laughs> i lost all my fans nobody will ever care about me and i got it back but oh my god the nervous breakdown it caused for me i was like i was like literally like i'm going to quit like i don't even know wow. I did all this building and if i got locked out and couldn't so that's the scary thing too is like you can't say too much you know um so that limits honesty. Yeah, it does, which is it's is the problem a little bit too. And I think it's it's weird. Like a lot of artists that take indie as a label to make their music seem more authentic, and or there are all these like homegrown indie stories. And I'm I'm not sure if I believe a lot of them. I don't know yeah. anything. Maybe they are homegrown, but to me, it seems like. It seems like it's really hard to actually go viral. Like, I don't really know if I believe, like, without help from some label or something, if you can actually go viral. I don't really, I just don't know if I believe that. Like, 
you'd have to have some, basically what we'd spoken about before these uh these click farms you'd have yeah. to pay them to you know make it beef up your beef up your likes but like you'd said with very limited engagement you know yeah. there's, there could be 500,000 likes but only four people say something about it that's not really success then either no, so like no. what is what do you I, I remember somebody asked me when I moved out to LA like another older uh, musician who'd kind of been signed a couple times and he was like um so like what do you consider success like what what is your goal or your end goal for success um and it, it's weird because like I've known people like there there's the fabricated success you know and then there's like actually having an audience that will like love you forever there's like the mixture of you have to fabricate your success to get then successful, <laughs> you know, it's just so, um, it's just, just a weird thing. And, um, I'm trying not to say too much cause I don't want to accidentally bash people. So I'm just going to shut up. <laughs> I don't want to accidentally like talk shit about people. I'm not trying to talk shit about people. I mean, a lot of like major label artists and stuff, like they work really hard to get there, you know, and they deserve it. Well, most of them do. And I do believe there are A&Rs and labels and stuff that believe in music and good music and, you know, authentic music. And I think that there are people who run labels and people at the big levels who know that people want authentic artists. Like, at the end of the day, we do want authentic music. Everybody does. I mean, you're not going to add like ask somebody on the street, "Do you like authentic music?" They're not going to say no. No, no one's going <laughs> to say no. Say, yeah, I want. I like like honest music. I want the musician to be real and super talented and singing about stuff that I care about, even if most of the time maybe it's like the person's not as authentic as I think they are. Right. Sometimes you know because I'm really good at marketing and things like that. But I believe yeah. that people. So what are you, what are you going to get it, get it uh, up to now that, you know, the veil's lifted? Halloween is two days away. What, what are you going to get up to for Halloween? Um, well, I'm going to a party on tomorrow. And then I don't know what I'm going to do on Halloween. I'm not sure. Um, yeah. I'll figure it out. You're not going to head down to uh, Hollywood Forever Cemetery or anything like that? That's usually a cool scene on Halloween. I might do something like that. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm not really like a, I, I'm not like a, I'm not a huge planner. Like I wake up and plan my day that day. I don't plan it mm -hmm. before. <laughs> I'm just kind of more, unless I'm like going to a specific thing, like the party I'm going to or something like that. But, um, so I don't know. I'll probably do something like that. Probably. Try and hang on to that because the older you get, the harder that gets. <laughs> no, I know. I'm sure I'm going to try to go out. I think I will maybe go to the Hollywood Forever Cemetery. That's a good idea. That's exactly where I'd be going. Yeah. I love Halloween. Halloween is my favorite holiday. So, I mean, I'm going to for sure do something. I just, I don't know yet. Yeah. For some reason, I, I have a, a different view on this time of year. because Maybe because I was born in this time of year. Uh, but Probably. I, I always look forward to fall. Uh, right around the time I was born, right around the time when the veil lifts, September 27th, that's when things yeah. are starting to really spiritually yeah. open up. So that's uh, that might be it, but it just there, there's more joy in the world, in my opinion. 
even though everything's especially on the east coast and you know you're from the midwest you know everything's dying and trees are changing color except for this year everything just went from green to dead um but that there's uh, an inherent rebirth in that and i think that is the beauty in darkness and in the beauty in uh the music you do it's that rebirth in darkness yeah that's exactly what i feel like a lot of some of the songs are about too like it is like rebirth totally like mm-hmm. delete and the this is metamorphosis those two songs kind of go together in my mm-hmm. head the story and those are totally about like death and then being reborn like in the most simplest terms of saying what the songs are about that's like exactly what it's about um we have to die to be reborn into something better and mm-hmm. i think our struggles make us better I, I do really believe that. Most of the people I know who are good people have gone through a lot of things, you know. Yeah. I don't really know anybody who's like a good person that hasn't been through a lot of stuff. Other than what? that, we become very selfish or there are those people who are just like perfect and happy and have great lives and they're like really weird. I don't know what's wrong with them. I'm I don't know them. I don't know any of them. <laughs> I don't think I've ever really known them either. I think that's that's the thing. Like in frequency what i was talking about if you're on a certain frequency like you're never going to interact with people not on your frequency so right the time if you if you're on the frequency of soul growth which like very ambitious spiritual people and souls choose difficult lives and difficult journeys um such as me or you or anybody else on this frequency has probably picked a difficult soul path because they want to mature and grow more, you know, as a, mm-hmm. as a whole. And that's the end game of it is to just be better, be better than we were yesterday. Yeah. I mean, I want to try to be better every day. Like that is an important goal for me is to just be better at a person and an artist, better performer, better whatever every day, which is why I think I just decided to do the whole like, fun, like whatever, I'm just going to be to- super honest and see what it gets me because yeah. You know, I've tried, not really I've tried, but I don't think people, I don't think people attach to artists without a, a, a kernel of honesty in what they do. You know, I don't think you can even attach to people without that honesty because everybody can see through it. It's, I, it's, I mean, I can see through it at least in other artists. Mm-hmm. I don't know if everybody else can, maybe it's just me and people well, don't care. No, because uh, growing up listening to what most would consider extreme music, be it uh, hardcore punk or like death metal, for example, I always liked death metal. I always liked the energy of it. I always liked the sound of it. But I never had a uh, a, a soul or spiritual attachment to it because it, as fun as it can be, it's just it's like a horror movie there's yeah. no it's not it's not austere it's not it doesn't have that bob dylan uh bruce springsteen uh honesty like that that storytelling that like they're just talking about like hacking up corpses and you know, <laughs> and i hate to generalize because it's there true. are yeah. like, Nothing against our death metal friends we like no them. <laughs> i mean i loved i love them i love i was in death metal bands but yes um Carcass is an outlier because even though they had gore lyrics, they were pushing a vegan and animal rights agenda back in like the late 80s. Which, is, which was different, yeah. Which was different. Same with yeah. Napalm Death. But for the most part, it's it's fantasy. 
I gravitated more towards the punk and hardcore because it was more realistic. It was more reality. It wasn't swords and sorcerers, death and goblins and all that. There's a place for all of it, but I think that's even though your music is not punk, uh, hardcore punk or not technically, technically punk, it, it has a, a, a technically make punk if you want me to, like easily. <laughs> but what you're what you're doing is punk to me because it, yeah. it, it it's got that sincerity that austerity that uh you know it's the attitude that's all that matters Mm -hmm. for me i mean like so i love like i love like one of my favorite artists is bjork who's like punk rock without being punk rock in any stereotypical way at all well she was in the sugar cubes and before she was in the sugar cubes she was in a punk band so she's she's very punk rock my that's what i mean but she's not like the cliche you know what yeah. you expect of. nothing i wrong with that either like i love i love people who rebel against the the patriarchy <laughs> in general yeah. period i guess yeah <laughs> which is a huge part of what is that what that is about but i mean like you're right too like i was thinking about it, like i don't really typically like if i because i i have my show where i do my music and it's like i'll do like mixes of like just industrial stuff like stuff for dancing, stuff that's just like heavy electro, like metal kind of stuff. And that stuff is good. But like the music I actually want to get emotional to is usually where they're more like, it's somebody telling a story and it's less about the music itself. Like I like the music that's just about dancing too, but like the music that really resonates with me that I still love that I go over like certain albums I'll go and listen to a million times. And it's, it's not even that many albums, to be honest, like (laughs) the albums that we all really like and are really attached to, we find ourselves going back to them. (laughs) For Mm -hmm. me, I always go back to whatever is like the emotionally, whatever makes me most emotional, to be honest. Cause that to me is like the most cathartic thing. Like I want to sit and like cry to a song or I want to sit and like, just feel badass to a song or whatever i hate that phrase but you know (laughs) but that's sort of how you feel like when you're listening to like really empowering like crusadering like i don't know like nash nails instrumental pieces and you're driving and it's like really exciting Mm -hmm. (laughs) you feel like like a movie like that's the kind of effect too is i mean movies and music and media is supposed to be about feelings it's supposed to be about feeling something deeper than what people usually experiences which is going through the normal day like hi how are you (laughs) having coffee having lunch at uh the vegan restaurant down the street coming Mm -hmm. back buying a you know just normal mundane things like we're trying to feel the depth of those mundane things through music and, and movies but it gets cluttered by a lot of shit we really don't want to see and a lot of propaganda and a lot of other things like that but music is the weird thing because it's not like movies where it's supposed to be real like it is supposed to be real yeah though there are a lot of people who write like total they'll like you know they're like there are a lot of rappers who like write that they're like these super hard gangsters trapping hella hard and it's like they're not really doing that you know Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's that's like that is that is false that's just telling a lie but like it's supposed to be your real life. That's what you're supposed to be singing about, which is crazy because it seems like we don't really, I don't know if people remember that anymore, but that is what we're supposed to do. We are supposed to be being honest. It's not just about a certain image we're selling to the public because it's like I was saying, like the public's not as stupid as they think 
as they think they are. Yeah. Like I know a lot of these corporations and stuff and these people in charge of everything really think the public's not smart. They, and that's why they sell these like gimmicky things that people on the internet now, because everybody's an opinion and people can embrace and share their opinion with like large amounts of people. You get to really see like, the shift in the culture that's happened since people have been able to create their own media and pick and choose what media they want to listen to. Like, I don't actually think I watch any, I mean, half the time I watch mostly independent creators. If I'm going to like just sit and watch something, Mm -hmm. I don't actually turn on the TV anymore and like look through stuff. I mean, I do have stuff playing in the background or whatever, but like the independent creators will be more like the people creating something I'm actually interested in. And like, that's the thing I think why a lot of these companies are kind of failing and why so many companies are scared to invest money in people is because they continuously fail so much because they don't understand people don't want to hear that. Like that's, you go on YouTube and find somebody who's talking about exactly what you want to talk about, you know, exactly what you're thinking about. So you don't need to go look at that other thing. A lot of those like artists from the era like 2001 and 2000, so on from, I'd say till like 2012, it was like a stop kind of. Those artists like were the last group of label artists, I feel like, like actual label artists who could sort of like make a real career because there wasn't as much media, but now it's to the point media is so overexposed that it's really hard to have an individual person get like the largest audience. You know what I mean? It's more split now because there's so much you can look at entertainment is decentralized now yes which is actually really good to be honest like that's exactly we need we need a lot of people saying different opinions on things so we Mm -hmm. can develop as people and not hear this one like i was talking about the programmed message that we've had in our media for so long and they still do try to kind of like monetize the internet and sort of still trying to still still trying to control it but i just don't it's gonna fail I think with the age of Aquarius, like, I mean, all the backlash, like you always hear about everybody on Twitter is upset about this thing on Netflix. And it's like, that's the kind of world we live in now. So we've lived in a place where the corporations have to listen to what people want. With the Dave Chappelle thing, you mean? For for instance, like, but I don't, I don't have any opinion on that. No, no, no. And I'm I'm not fishing for one. I mean, I see with that, I see both sides to be quite honest with you. Uh, but I have a vested interest in the trans community with so many personal friends of mine in the trans community and they're even divided on it. So, I mean, that's just, that's something I would, as a straight white male, I don't get an opinion. I just don't. Um, And the more straight white males who finally come to the realization that dude, you don't get an opinion on that, especially as a middle-aged man. And we all, shut our mouths and open our ears yeah. the world will get better because it's my kind that have been ruining things for the past two three eight million years <laughs> yeah and, and i don't want like white straight males to feel like they're isolated or anything no just, no we but it, we've had it good for yeah. too, too good for too long yeah yeah i mean it just needs we're just looking for equality it's not about being better than it's about right. being equal. I feel a lot of it is a lot of people see that and they think like, oh, well, they're, they get all this attention because everybody thinks they're underprivileged because they're black or they're trans or whatever. And it's like sort of the white man 
version of why they feel like that. And they just feel like, oh, but my life was hard. <laughs> you know, like, that's how they feel. And it's like, you have literally one perspective yeah. of the world. And, and no matter what, you know, statistically, the corporations that run our um, movies and media is white males, particularly wealthy white males, which yeah. is a difference. Yeah. <laughs> the white males are the ones who have been deciding everything we've consumed pretty much up until now, mm -hmm. up until the internet, where now we can have shows like this and maybe a lot of people will watch it and you don't need a TV network guy telling you what you can or can't say. Or yeah. nobody going over my shoulder and saying, don't talk about rape. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that might be bad. Uh, yeah. Sometimes I kind of wish I had somebody who would help me with that. <laughs> like, to, like, don't say that. Okay, okay. <laughs> I like to say too much, and I don't mean to. <laughs> I know. I have, a, I have a wife who does that. She's like, maybe tone it down on this, that, or yeah. the other. And she's probably right. I mean, she, my wife's always right, let's face it. But, um, you know, I'm steadfast in my belief that, you know, the, the straight, white, masculine... Uh, patriarchy the the iron fist of masculinity that's that's dead it's a it's a dead thing it it needs to go yeah i think we're going through kind of like we're going into sort of a genderless future which is mm -hmm. interesting um i'm not somebody who like i can't pretend to understand a trans person because i don't know what it's like to feel like a gender per se like i personally i've always felt like an alien <laughs> like <laughs> I, that's how i've always felt so i can't really understand it but like you know it, it's not my right to say whether or not they don't feel like that because i believe in souls i believe that authentically like what if i was a soul born into a male body maybe i would feel wrong and be like because maybe i've had mostly women past lives <laughs> right you know? that was just just feels off and it just feels like i don't want to be this anymore and it's not my place to judge it or at all i have plenty of wonderful trans fans and i love them and support them very much so that's how i feel about that <laughs> yeah. yeah but what i th i think is interesting about everything uh we've been discussing really uh be it frequencies be it uh this there's it, within the bible the bible is actually codes and people don't realize that but going back to when it was the torah old mm -hmm. testament there's codes in it and i forget which book of the bible it is now and i'm going to kick myself because i i used to know but there's a specific book of the bible that is basically just frequency codes and it's that code those octaves those those notes that are hidden within it what's that is it the book of Genesis? I Isn't believe. That all numbers? Yeah, yeah. It's the book of Numbers. And I study book... a lot of religions, though I'm not Christian. I know right. a lot about different religions. It, um, the book, the book of Numbers, uh, it, everything within it is um, all of the, all of the music used in Catholic Church, all of the the music of the hymns, is all contained in the book of Numbers, and it's that's considered the most sacred text by the vatican for that reason oh man numbers are everything yeah mm -hmm. right. synchronicities and divine numbers are super interesting i've noticed i've been noticing the number thing more more recently a lot um i can't speak on knowing like a super amount about it because mm -hmm. I, I haven't like studied it intensely or anything but i definitely believe i mean the universe is made of numbers so patterns and colors and frequency 
that is kind of the key to everything. Um, it's interesting also like color affects you, numbers, all these little things that just make up our, our, our world. I don't know. Um, that just dawned on me too when you said about 27 being a Saturn return number and the 27th is my birthday. <laughs> you know what's funny too? I know a lot of significant people in my life are born on the 27th. Mm -hmm. A lot of people. So it's interesting that, and I, I'm born on the 24th. I also know significant people are born on the 24th. Um, there's, there's like fascinating uh, synchronicities to like, there's, I'm not going to say who, but there's like a, a big producer I know who, who has the same birthday as my sister. And it's just mm -hmm. like so weird, you know, or like yeah. <laughs> somebody I work with now has the same birthday as the, the person, the first friend I ever made when I was like growing up. And a lot of the times people I like are often born in like the 20s, like, like, and that number, I don't know what the meaning is, but it's, it's quite interesting. And I, I see, I sometimes I see like, I kind of believe, because I know technically, like, it could be like an OCD technically, but, and maybe it is, but I do believe I see a lot of the number patterns at weird times, like, this is a message and more than often it'll come through like, to be right and accurate, you know, mm -hmm. like I'll see like divine number patterns and then it leads me to something that leads me closer to what I actually want with my life, you know? So it's, it's super, it's very interesting. And yeah, I don't know, 27, maybe that's the key to everything. <laughs> <But> <laughs> and I also, I wake up almost every morning at three thirty-three AM every morning. Weird. Yeah. Weird. Oh my God. That's super weird. I do that too. Actually. I remember I woke up at three thirty-three once from like a bad dream. And I remember distinctly, I always am pointing out the number synchronicities and everybody around me is like, okay, whatever. <laughs> but I'm like, no, this is, has meaning. <laughs> this is significant. I do believe it is though. Yeah. I, I used to get the same change from, uh, whenever I would go to, uh, be at Taco Bell or wherever, when I was younger, I would get the same change back no matter what I ordered. Weird. For about That's the kind of thing that makes you wonder if we're in the matrix. Yeah. Like, are things we just don't pay attention to? Is this actually like a matrix? I don't know. Could but be. It's weird stuff. Yeah, weird stuff. Or I always send messages on, I like send like an important message and it's always like 1111 sent at 444. <laughs> you know, I always get that. Or like, like always. <laughs> Something about it. So going, having gone through most of your uh, original music on the EP, what made you want to include Warm Leatherette on there? The universe gave us that cover for a significant reason. I think, to be honest, because it's interesting, because we cold emailed Daniel Miller, who's the guy who wrote that song. Mm -hmm. We weren't expecting. So we, wrote, we, we created that song very fast, like very fast. It just kind of came out of nowhere and we were just like let's just do this cover why not <laughs> yeah and it's, it's kind of funny because i haven't actually done any covers since then i do plan to do hopefully some more studio covers of things and like i we sent it to him and he ended up replying and saying he really liked it which was like i was not expecting that so i believe with that cover since we're talking about spiritual stuff on the show i believe that was like given to me like this is part of your destiny to do this cover so because that's one of the only like things I've done where um, somebody with a lot of clout has believed in my music, you know, or liked it, and it and it gave me it gave me confidence and strength to keep going. Like, okay, 
he liked this so much that Meat Records posted it. You know, they liked my cover that much. So clearly I'm doing something right. Like, yeah. got to keep going. Uh, so I don't know. It just kind of came to us out of nowhere, really. Wow, that's phenomenal. Yeah, this universal gift. <laughs> I, I, It's interesting. I don't know what it is. I kind of feel like sometimes I think about, like, my dad's spirit. I feel like he is working behind the scenes on a lot of stuff, especially because there's a lot of astrological similarities. Um in there so my dad was like a scorpio aquarius moon scorpio sun and there are so many scorpio aquarius synchronicities throughout my career just everywhere and like any kind of connection or help that i've had somehow relates to that daniel mills and aquarius to put it for that for mm -hmm. that kind of thing um i couldn't help but think like i can't help but think he's kind of like guiding my career sometimes um because of those patterns and I just get, we just get, I just get feelings and just kind of go with my instinct, I guess. Um, but yeah, I, I think that spirits, I think we have like kind of guardians that sort of guide us to certain, and they're trying to send us messages and it's about whether or not we can like see them clearly or not. Yeah. Have you ever seen uh, your father's spirit by any chance? I've, I don't know. Um, I've seen spirits I thought was him. I don't really know if it was really him. Sometimes I feel like I see him actually. If you want to know the truth, I have his, I have a box of his ashes mm -hmm. um, with me at all times pretty much. And sometimes I feel like I can kind of see him and he'll like sit and he'll like, he'll sit in a meditative position because my dad was in a meditation a lot. Mm -hmm. Doing certain things. My dad, you know, if you want to know the truth, I just forgot about this. You'll totally love this. Ghosts help me write songs. <laughs> they actually do. Okay. And I'm going to tell you for sure, because I'll sit at the piano and the most clear, I'll see like hands, not my hands, just like playing for me. And I'll start to play stuff that I didn't even know I could play. Like, I didn't even know I could play that. And just ideas I didn't really just come to me out of nowhere. And I think it's because I think spirits come to me when I write music. I see them more vividly when I write music, when I play music. I feel them around me when I play music. It turns, <laughs> I'm definitely isolating myself from a large portion of Christian audiences right now. But, <laughs> like, but you know, it's true though. I do. I see them. I I feel them. Like, uh, my I remember one time I was playing guitar or no, I was playing piano, and my I think my dad's spirit like knocked over the guitar because I was singing a song and he was that was his way of saying like this is a good song. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, things like that. Like I see their hands. I see them. They help me play. When I play guitar, I see hands like directing me like a conductor, oh, wow. like conducts me. Like, I think that was my dad. I think it's my dad. I think so too. Yeah. And um, he seems to be, cause he was my musical mentor always. He's my first teacher. I know he's really happy with where I am in my career. I can feel the energy from him that he wants me to like, I feel like he's like, I feel like he can see the bigger picture more than I can. And he can see whatever is going to lead me, whatever, wherever this career leads me down, which is hopefully a successful one. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, um, I feel like he's trying to guide me and help me. Um, so often that, so honestly, spirits come to me the most when I play music out of every time, which has been more of a recent development. Like it wasn't always like that when I was growing up, but uh, I became more spiritual and I quit drinking and I started meditating and that was when it started. It wasn't before that. Um, mm. It was after that. 
And like, I'm totally sober also while this happens. Like I'm not high as right. shit or anything like that. Like I'm hallucinating hands <laughs> or anything like that. But it does feel like he'll conduct me sometimes. And it's pretty, it's pretty, pretty incredible. Yeah, pretty incredible. I never thought I'd be writing songs with ghosts, <laughs> but it was really cool. You're it's not, funny. you're not Too the first person who's told me something like this, believe it or not. Really? Not by a long shot. Not That's by a cool. long shot. Maybe spirits help a lot of, maybe when you're a musical person, it's a way they can communicate with you, especially if it's a musician passed on. Like my sister says, when my dad died, her, my third eye wasn't open, but hers was, but she could hear music. Like she could hear as his soul was ascending, like just this like guitar wail. It was like the most beautiful guitar she's ever heard in her life. And she could hear it. And I believe her. I totally believe her. Oh, yeah. Um, I was in I, the room with my dad when he passed and I could swear I heard. Uh, uh, what What is it? It's it's like uh, when the chanting from uh, the Buddhists chants, when the, the throat singing, the Tibetan yeah. throat singing, I could swear I heard something like that. Probably. Yeah. All that stuff is sacred. I kind of believe everybody is right in a way. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, they definitely are. I mean, uh, all, all of the uh, belief systems that are spiritually positive. Yeah, I think there are. I think it's all basically the same thing. Totally. Yeah. It's just sound frequency spirits. Um, generally, a lot of the religions kind of have the same rules, too. Like, yeah. you know, it's not really too far apart other than the bullshit that gets thrown in along with it in certain religions but yeah uh for spiritually if i want to if i want to feel close to my dad all i have to do is play music really it's just kind of beautiful actually when i think about it yeah it is. when i was a kid too i remember talking to my dad and it occurred to me when i was really young that he was gonna die like sooner than other parents because he was so old like he was old enough to be my grandpa and yeah. like at school, it was like, is that your grandpa? No, that's that's my dad. <laughs> didn't help my dad also was like, he was kind of like racially ambiguous. Like he didn't even, he looked very strange. He was a little bit darker. Than, so like people didn't really know who the fuck he was in relation to me. Like there'd yeah. be times where like random strangers would be like, are you okay? And I'd be like, that's my dad. I'm fine. <laughs> like he's, he's, <laughs> And he doesn't look like we're related, but we're related. <laughs> like... I was like a little blonde, super pale white kid. So like, I looked very unrelated to him probably, but that yeah, I remember sounds, asking oh, him. Man. Yeah. I remember asking him though. Like I was like, will you visit me as a ghost when you die? <laughs> I just knew it was going to happen. I saw it coming. I saw it going to look like a little psychic. I think that's uh, I'm hoping that's not what my son has to eventually go through because I am old enough to be my son's grandfather. <laughs> he's, well, he's two and I'm 45. I mean, that's, I mean, that's the thing, though. Like, that's why we need to normalize the spirit world more. It used to be so normal, and I think a lot of the times, it's it's not uh, it's not mainstream to talk about because if we had more power over our spirituality, people would be more empowered. More people would do like magic and prayer and things like that to change their lives. And you know, everybody can't have power. You know what I mean? Like there needs to be the people who are lesser than. So the people that have power don't want you to be spiritually in tune with the universe. Because if you're spiritually in tune with the universe, the universe gives you whatever you want. Yeah. I mean, that's the truth. Like pretty much. I mean, they'll do it in their own way and whatever's kind of fit for you. But like it's it's 
taking away, create the fear of death in Western culture in particular is so ingrained in our our culture to keep us like docile and to keep us like, to keep us uh, believing we have no control in our reality or our life. And, you know, we can't have everything we want. Like most people believe my kind of like, I want to be a musician. When I was a kid, everybody told me I was like, never going to be a rock star. Nobody took me seriously ever. Yeah. Um, after a long time. And like, maybe when I remember when Daniel Miller posted my song and it was like, Cause it was a real record label, like a legendary record label posted my song. And like my family finally kind of acknowledged me like after that, you know, but it took a long and my family's full of entertainers, but it's more just, you see so many failed stories. So many yeah. people fail and they get bitter from seeing failure. And so like, and other adults and other kids around you, people with normal families, my dad believed in me because he's, such an extraordinary person and had lived, lived such an extraordinary life that he knew it was possible. But even then people, you know, not that people would probably believe him because of where he was at that period of life either. So people, I'm just saying, I feel like we would have more personal power if we actually, if, if it was okay to say, I believe in ghosts without being ridiculed. Like I was actually looking up this thing about this random pop star who was being like, ridiculed for believing in aliens what was her name demi lovato demi lovato she's like disney girl right she's going around saying she met aliens <laughs> to like <laughs> these mainstream outlets and i'm like thinking because it reminds me of me in a way because it's like something i would do but then i'm kind of like and then you know, there are people of course bullying her you know saying like she's just crazy and out of her mind and she used to do drugs so there's no way that was real which people also love to invalidate anybody who's done any kind of drugs on all that stuff. Yeah. Which is stupid because like our, you know, our brain, our consciousness, like, you know, our brains can create its own, their own THC. Like yeah. our brains can create it. Like yeah. what does that actually mean? So like when people will be like, um, Oh, I didn't really hallucinate that cause I was on weed or whatever. What if weed is actually just making us see what's really there? Like yeah, what well, if the past the layers but if it's helping us um dmt the human body we already have dmt in us now people are getting hip to smoking dmt or whatever but it's it's endogenous to the human body it's already there right so we have no understanding in terms of like drugs of like we don't understand how it works you know we don't so it's not to say that those things might be showing us what's really there i mean we only use like a small percentage of our brain we don't see the whole like scope of reality and science and all this. And it's funny, like somebody like Demi Lovato going about aliens, technically the government has now confirmed aliens, but she's still going to be looked at as like a psychopath. Maybe in like a hundred years, they'll be like, she was right because now yep. aliens are part of normal culture. And, you know, I think honestly, by the time I'm old, like aliens will be like, it's going to turn into like Futurama. Like yeah. <laughs> what I think it's going to happen by the end of my life. Like, I think aliens will be part of normal culture. Like, I think they want to be now, to be yeah. honest. But I think that we haven't come to a place where the consciousness has grown to accept it. But I think a lot of things right now are building our consciousness high enough to, to open our mind to what the universe really is and what's really out there. Um, I've noticed it's interesting, too, because like L.A. in particular is the media. It's like the media hotspot of the world and all the influencers and stuff are out here, people who have influence on huge people. 
And it seems like also a lot of the things like sacred geometry and numerology and all that stuff is so prevalent out here too. I cannot but think the extraterrestrials are actually like planting that stuff for us to help the culture spiritually evolve. And as we've always had spiritually evolved people like Leonardo da Vinci and stuff like, you know, we've had people trying to kind of say like some truths and it's been very mysterious and, and it's, it's still kind of looked at as like entertainment conspiracy theory stuff. But I, I do believe there's like actually quite a lot of truth somewhere within that. I just do believe in that. Well, I think- look, look at look at poor uh, from Blink One Eighty Two, Tom DeLong. <clears throat> People called him crazy up until what was it last year when he was one of the people, and he truly was one of the people who got those videos of the Tic Tac UFO released. Really? Interesting. Was, yeah, because he's in, he, he's, in, he's in bed with all of these former CIA heads and stuff that to the stars uh company that he owns uh-huh. and he's been talking about this stuff for a long time people call him crazy now people are starting to think wait a minute he knows about this element 132 or whatever uh it's the newest element on the periodic table uh-huh. and it's it's proven that it's not of this earth that's see that's it's becoming it's going to become a part of the mainstream world mm-hmm. and when that consciousness evolves enough that we're like as a collective you know civilization accepting it into being normal that's when we're also i believe we're going to because i personally feel like that there are well there are aliens i personally feel like the aliens are like really just waiting for us to reach a point where we're evolved enough even to communicate with them like Mm -hmm. i think a lot of it we they just see our bullshit and it's kind of like we're sort of fighting through our bullshit right now we're fighting through all this like people arguing about gender and stuff like that if we can just get past that stuff and truly like think about like if if it becomes more more mainstream to you know be okay with believing these things rather than just like american particular i mean we were founded to be like a christian nation mm-hmm. you know so they've been kind of fighting against alternative spirituality here for a long time but I think like a lot of the alternative spirituality, spirituality is going to help us with aliens, basically is what I'm saying. Sure. <laughs> uh, that's what I, I, I really believe a lot of the sacred knowledge because I watch a lot of ancient aliens, for instance, and yeah. I know a lot of that stuff is bullshit, but a lot of it is like, they have to kind of fluff it up with ridiculous things, I think, because they can't put too much truth out there, you know, without freaking people out. But it seems to me like they've been basically like, trying to help us evolve this whole time most of our knowledge of like i think even our knowledge of like eating well it's amazing like i'm not a huge i don't preach like i'm not a i'm not like a preachy vegan or anything because i'm not even really technically a vegan but what i did learn was like nutrition and your spiritual self are important and and related so like there are foods that like open your third eye and foods that help certain parts of your body i mean god kind of foods are vegan (laughs) yeah i mean it's true a lot of them are i think i think like that's also another thing too like more people out here eat healthier and i think that's a huge contributor as to why people start people are kind of seeing the truth when your third eye opens too you see through all the facade of everything it's Mm -hmm. like you just can see through it and so they try to keep especially impoverished areas 
to have, you know, they have crappy food in those areas. You can't even get fresh food in those areas. And they do that for a reason because they want to keep those people there. If they, you know, gave their body like excellent nutrition, they would live longer and maybe they would live longer enough to manifest or create or whatever word you want to use, you know, their reality in a more positive way to uplift rather than what they want to do is keep the poor people poor and unhappy, keep the problems in there. Uh, The food deserts out here in LA, it's like crazy. You can drive through bad neighborhoods and the only food is available is like ramen noodles. It's like, you're literally trying to poison people, man. Like Mm -hmm. (laughs) on a, on a deep level, like, I don't mean to be like, because I think like they've also like the, the movement against vegans is to like, there are a lot of uh, preachy, annoying vegans that kind of made it hard for to, to talk about this sort of thing because I don't want to be associated with them. Yeah. But for me, it's just more like I've noticed like food and nutrition and herbs and stuff. Like when you open your, your third eye, you can see how important it is and how much it's just, just relates to us. And I mean, it's crazy. Like it's crazy. Like liquor is so prevalent i'm not saying it against drinking because it's fun (laughs) i liked it i liked doing it it was fun um but it's crazy like that is more okay than like weed in our country like i don't ridiculous it's very bizarre because it's like liquor is literally poison like we're literally getting drunk by poisoning ourselves yeah and like that never even i remember like when i if i I get because drinking was so normalized that when i started to get like a little bit sick from drinking which is kind of when I started stopping because I was getting like really sick. And it occurred to me, like everything I put in my body is so important. Everything I put in my body is so important. And the mainstream world and doesn't give a fuck what you put in your body. Like they'll let you poison yourself and they'll encourage it. You know, yep. they want you to die. <laughs> Queen of the static opera. They want you to die. That'll be the headline. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. They want you to die. They don't want you to live. They don't want you to prosper. They also especially don't want like people who've been through tough things, people from bad neighborhoods. If somebody from a bad neighborhood crawls out and becomes like a huge influencer and can tell their story and affect many people, that's not the kind of knowledge, that's the kind of knowledge that uplifts other people who are in those places. And those Mm -hmm. are the kind of people, people who've actually been through things relate to. And, you know, like I was saying, the rich wanna stay rich and then the, the poor have to stay poor because if everybody, you know, you're not rich, if the poor person's doing well, (laughs) you know, if the poor, and like so much of life hacking, I feel like is about, at least I feel like life hacking is about our mindset more than anything. Like life hacking is all about our mind. Um, So many mental disorders and like crazy stuff that happens too, I feel like is like so many people are starving themselves of nutrition. It's crazy even out here, too. You see, like, this, there's super, 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 super skinny people out here. And I kind of am like, I literally don't know how they do it because I know they're so malnourished. And, I, I mean, I think that's why it helps. They can do toxic things and participate with, like, you know, being an actress in a movie where, like, the producer is, like, Harvey Weinstein or something like that, right? Yeah. They're, they're, they're so unbalanced spiritually especially from being so malnourished say they'll do anything like they don't have their they're just not their full they're not their highest self so if like you're a healthy person and you truly understand the power of like i mean just even food 
simply you can become closer to your highest self just naturally because those foods just bring you to your higher self. And I always try to tell people that it sounds kind of weird, but like <laughs> it is important. Like eating lemons and like these certain foods and coconuts and stuff, like they have like spiritual powers. I mean, well, that's because of the elect. There's electrolytes and 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 once once that that gives you uh, conductivity throughout your body, so your neurons are firing more rapidly and more effectively. So of course your third eye is going to open. Of course you're right. going to have more spiritual energy. It only yeah. makes sense. Right. From like, I think the combination of science and spirituality is where we need to get. And I think we're kind of heading towards there, which is great. Because like, like I was saying, it's interesting the nutrition and physical aspects of spirituality that relate to like, you know, our, our spiritual lives. So like our, our, it's called the pineal gland, I think. Yes. Which is a real pineal gland, gland. Brain, right? It yeah. is real. Yeah. yeah. Like there's, it's crazy. It's crazy that it's not more um, mainstream at this point, but I think it's 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 heading there. And I think like we've also spent so many years like say like witches and how we view witches because I'm a new age witch as I said. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, witches have been kind of demonized to be this like creature that you know is a monster like a vampire or something. Yeah. And it's like literally everybody does witchcraft. Like we do witchcraft subconsciously all the time. Like, like the food we pick, like when you're lifting up an onion and you're combining it with a celery or whatever, that's witchcraft. Like, it's it's alchemy. Yeah. And it's purest form. It's like, we're constantly, we're constantly doing, doing witchcraft all the time. Like our, our highest, we're, we're guided to do that. And like herbs are proof, certain herbs and things like that are proven medicine. And like, that's literally what being a witch is. Like it, that is what being a witch is, is like understanding um, you know, the, the things that the earth has given us and what we can do with them. So like that, going back to drugs too, like, (laughs) like weed or mushrooms, like those kind of less harmful sort of drugs Mm -hmm. are interesting too. Cause like, I feel like that there's something magical in them too, that we just don't understand. Um, well, HP Lovecraft talked about this, um, you know, with the pineal gland, and with you know certain chemicals that you can introduce into your body that can actually and and Lovecraft was a terrible person. Yeah, let, he was. Let, let, let's be let's be honest. As much as I love Lovecraft's work, he was an yeah. awful racist. And all of his works, all these yeah. the Cthulhu, they were all that was. It was all just about his xenophobia. Pretty much. But that being said, he spoke about a lot of this stuff as well, and you know the whole idea that you know once that you can awaken the pineal gland you can see beyond the veil and that the spiritual realm is literally right here you can reach out and touch yeah. it and the right. only thing that's missing is the third eye right we can see it all the time sometimes i get like visions kind of of my third eye like opening like i can see it in my head i don't know if that makes sense i can feel it even i'll feel like tingling right here mm-hmm. that's, 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 yeah i was a big believer in that i think like I think too, like with public personas and why so many there, you know, because there are a lot of shitty famous people for sure. Yeah. There are a lot of famous people who say really radical, amazing ideas, actually. A lot of times you don't hear about it as much because they don't really like, they kind of brush it under the rug, but you, you know, you hear what they really is. I think it's no coincidence people who achieve a lot have really radical beliefs like that because they kind of see 
the truth. That's also one of the reasons I was like, fuck it, I'm just gonna be honest. Cause I believe, I don't really believe labels or somebody at Universal Music or some CEO controls my career. I believe the universe controls my career. And I think I need to do what's right for the universe and the universe will pay me back for that. However way I'm supposed to and whatever way I'm supposed to help or impact people. Mm-hmm. So like, that is why honesty is so important to me. That's why being the hero at the end of my song is important to me because I really believe that, you know, there's other forces at work here that are bigger than, than all of us. So like, you know, take like a, the Kesha, Dr. Luke situation, for example, like Dr. Luke has a huge amount of influence in my industry still. It's a sad, dark thing, but I believe like, it's going to sound weird because Kesha's not exactly like what I'd call like intellectual art or anything, but I believe she's a light worker. I believe her purpose is part of, is part of bringing light to that darkness in the world that she's in. And she's done that. And like, no matter all the whatever career contract stuff that she's probably stuck in right now, no matter what, I do believe like the universe is working with her and not Dr. Luke. Like this is the age of Aquarius. The universe is working to make things right now. We're not working any longer. It's no longer like people whose personal powers and ego can control everything and having this one person who can decide whether or not you're relevant or not. I think that age is just kind of like passing us by. I don't think it matters anymore. Because I think, like, there are so many stories of people who, like, come out and speak their truth now. Like, huge, huge figures, famous people, they're not scared of losing everything anymore. Because it's like, the world is just no longer, we're just no longer tolerant of that. Especially, I think, like, my generation and younger, we grew up and we're just so sick of it. Like, we're so done with it. And I, I love watching independent creators actually on YouTube and stuff because there'll be a lot of like young people even younger than me or like 19 or 18 and they're just like super, super woke, you know, basically yeah. like very, very woke to the the heavy pedophilia culture, the heavy, um, you know, misogyny and racism and, and transphobia and homophobia and just like this internalized phobias we have, these internalized uh, fucked up beliefs that have been part of our culture for so long those internalized beliefs that i saw destroy uh, members of my family and cause them to do toxic things or to become toxic people or to have to participate in a toxic um a toxic work kind of like um industry a toxic industry such as hollywood which is why which is why i felt like it was important when i put out like make love to america i thought it was important to talk about it because maybe it doesn't relate to people's lives but it's it exactly if they're not you know say they don't live in hollywood they live in ohio <laughs> you know yeah. they have no personal relation to it but i i, I do believe like I, I believe there's like micro you know hollywood is like high school and everywhere in life is like high school yeah. this is like high school um everywhere is high school <laughs> so it's the same it's kind of the same story everywhere so like take my my roller derby league wasn't the same as the Harvey Weinstein, Rose McGowan thing, say. But it was like, what it was funny though is when it was going on, I think actually that was exactly when Harvey Weinstein was getting, which is funny, because like the mirror of synchronicity. Mm-hmm. During that exact same time, I was playing on a roller derby league with a with a rapist, basically, who was like causing this weird where like half of the people were divided because they wanted to just ignore these accusations 
because they just wanted to skate. They just wanted to keep going. It's sort of like the music industry and the movie industry where like, yeah, there's this guy who's freaking horrible and a lot of people will know it, but they can't, they can't, they won't do anything about it. They'll just go along with it because they don't. And that's the same as those people in my roller derby league. So the, and, and the representation of how it was pretty much half of the people on my league left and then half stayed is, is, is I'm pretty sure how it actually is everywhere. <laughs> like yeah. half yeah. of the people will go along with it and half of the people will be like, fuck this, I'm out, yeah. <laughs> you know? And the like, complicit, the complicit always remain complicit and the outliers take off. And being complicit isn't going to make you a leader. Nobody's going to no. want to listen to you if you're complicit. So that's why with me, like, as maybe polarizing some of my views are, and I know, especially with the internet, as things get bigger, I'll probably have more people criticizing me and uh, criticizing my beliefs or saying I'm, you know, crazy or I said something wrong or whatever it'll end up being. I don't know. I'm not, I don't get any hate now, but I'm sure I will sometime. Um, I, I think it's important. I, I think people don't care unless you say what you, you know, they don't care unless you pull our polarizing figure. They don't care. Right. Like you need to stand for something or fall for anything. I think is the saying, And yeah. I believe it's totally true, which is why like, which is why I do believe, like I was saying, honesty will, honesty will resonate, especially in this age of Aquarius right now, because this is not the time to be a fucking bigoted, power hungry, rapist this is like a really bad time to be like that because we yeah. are after you <laughs> like we are literally after you like we will get you yeah we're no longer for that bullshit <laughs> <laughs> younger people especially like my as, as you know the baby boomer generation kind of like disappears like things are changing i'm i'm curious as to what it'll be like when i'm old like i said i think it's going to be interesting i think i think new age spirituality and stuff about your like nutrition and and you know, psychic phenomena will become more mainstream. I think aliens will become part of our life. I think as like, we're already becoming like those movies that in the nineties where everything was like screens and <laughs> you yeah. know, like everything was all futuristic and they're like, this was the future. Like we're in that now. I mean, look at what we're doing right now. It's funny too. Cause I'll even like, I don't do interviews any different than the way Grimes does interviews. You know, she's like super rich, but she does the same webcam interview. I do, you know, yeah. like we're in a, 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 a phase of like I don't know I think I think we're in a good phase I think humanity is hopefully getting better that's what I I guess my little bow on this rant cake yeah. is saying I, I think it's going to get better <laughs> I think it is getting better and I think your generation uh, is making good on the promise uh, mine the generation Xers what, what we were trying to do yeah. You know, the, the dream of the 90s, we were all, especially the counterculture people, we were into veganism, we were into alternative spirituality, we were into alternative music, we, we, we just wanted to be everything that, you know, our parents who came from the hippie generation, they thought they were being revolutionaries, and they were, but we were trying to take it that step further. Yeah. My generation we tried maybe we failed but <laughs> i think with your generation you guys are going to finally make good on it and that's i think that's what we're seeing i, I think there's also a reason too because like 90s music and nostalgia and stuff is so 
popular with people my age too. And I think that that is part of it. This, there's a kind of similarity we feel with Generation Xers maybe like that um, sort of trying to do the same thing, uh, but just kind of now on an internet scale. So it's not like the small punk venue anymore. It's, you know, the viral meme page purely dedicated to like some alternative artist that you know isn't even super famous like you know yeah. there's stuff like that like that is our new community and how we communicate for better or for worse um because the internet is is still a weird thing because you see the ugliest sides of people but i think because we see the ugliest sides of people now too like it's making us a more human and more em empathetic towards people mm -hmm. um, i hope that we'll reach a phase where like we take virtual life like real life and we don't you know we're not gonna say or do things we wouldn't do in real life like i, I think right. we're heading more towards that because a lot of people i mean i still i think like a lot of people don't like to sit and like troll people on the internet or people who are like really like shy and have no life in real life and, and i think a lot of those people are closer to my age than yours too because a lot of the the trolling and hate that i that i see on other people's pages that's usually coming from people who are closer to my age i think that's how it appears anyway that's interesting maybe i haven't really i guess i don't really particularly like look for trolls but right just you know i i think people are getting a little more um realizing how real the internet is you know what i mean like it's real influencers are real like it's a real career now you can make money off of just having an instagram page and that's like crazy so yeah we all have so much personal power we could use um and but yeah i don't know i think like we've also had like this weird revolution in bullying recently too like people started talking about bullying a lot i remember when i was like I think I was coming out of high school. But for some reason, everybody started talking about bullying. <laughs> I think it was like Lady Gaga and stuff like that. And it was like before, because I, I talked to previous generations, it was like bullies were just a part of life. You just like accepted them. Yep. And to be honest, I actually think like, I think some hardship and bullying can build characters for people that it, need it, character. It does. Like I always say sometimes, like some people just need to be punched in the face like one time <laughs> just to like <laughs> develop their character or like, you know, something like that. I do believe in that, but um, I don't know. I believe it's, we're becoming more of a culturally sensitive place. So. Well, I definitely wouldn't have, uh, I was a very shy child and I, I felt very badly about myself especially physically and the older i got the more i got bullied the more i got bullied the more i got angry the more i got angry the more i started fighting back verbally and then finally i snapped and the main bully in my neighborhood i physically unleashed on him once i'd done that i'd gone from being introverted and quiet to becoming this completely different person so the bullies created the introvert, but they also created the monster. So had there been no bullies, maybe I would have been, you know, uh, outspoken and, and gregarious, but maybe not, you know, it's just the way things, to, I, I think it's a natural progression for human beings to start out shy and then come out of their shells. I think the the bully is a it can be an accelerant in the process 
But I think if we do away with that, we'll be all the better for it. Uh, that whole building character, pull your up, uh, pull, get up by your bootstraps, masculine, toxic nonsense. It's just, that's a thing of the past and it, it doesn't care. It doesn't hold water. Yeah, that's what I'm, I mean, we're evolving. Like, yeah. I think actually we're like, aren't we like have a new strand of DNA or something that we're developing? Like there's some crazy shit like that. I can't remember the specifics, but like we're literally evolving. Like we're evolving past the need to just like torture a kid you don't know for no reason. You know, I was never like a bully, but I did get bullied. Me neither. Um, and yeah, it was brutal. Like I, I remember it was like, when you're a kid, it feels like the worst thing like that could ever happen. It's weird because there were worse things going on at my house <laughs> yeah. like when I was a kid. But I like was way more upset about people at school not liking me for sure. <laughs> yeah. I went through a pretty toxic public school system too. And there were like five pedophiles at my middle school. Like it was a pretty toxic, dark school. Yeah. In um, there were a lot of really good artists that came out of my class in schools, though. Like, pretty, some of them kind of known too, which is interesting to me. So, I know that we had a really toxic school environment during when I was in school. And I, I think a lot of that did shape a lot of those really good artists that are, you know, a couple of them are doing some big things. There's a girl I went to high school with who has a show on Netflix right now. Like, wow. <laughs> you know, yeah. And uh, she's quite a big deal. And I've talked to her a couple of times. We're not like super close or anything, but. Um, I'm proud of her. It's cool to see like somebody from my neighborhood and kind of my graduating class and stuff like, and it's weird how that happens. Like there are in Minnesota, there's like a couple people who kind of came from my high school that ended up becoming like professional musicians. And um, I think that, and there's like kind of like a dark alternative sort of like soul kind of energy to Minnesota where like, that's kind yeah. of what we do there. And um, I don't I don't know. It's kind of, it's like when you hear like two like really famous people both like went to the same like high school or something. And it's just like weird. Like why? Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. It's just like of all the, it's such a, I think that has to do with a lot of two like souls that go through tough life circumstances, even like people who end up going to shitty schools. That's part of your soul development that you need. And a lot of those people, they're on the same frequency as you because your guys are doing similar things. Um, we, we all pretend we're so much different from each other than we really are. When I really feel like a lot of us are more similar to each other than we think. And it's weird because I'm an individual, like very unique person considering that. But I believe actually most people are a lot more alike than, than unalike. It's just we are so caught up in our differences, we don't really see it. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it makes complete sense to me. But like you said, you know, we're... We're on we're on a similar frequency. Yeah, this is true. So, what would you like to leave us with this evening? I don't want to keep you any longer than I have to, and I know we all have lives, but this has been fun. This and... has been fun. Um, well, I've rambled a really long time, so I guess I don't have too much to say. <laughs> no. <laughs> follow me on social media: <laughs> Instagram <laughs> slash Queen of the Static Opera, Twitch TV slash Static Queen One. I also have a show. You can hang out with me on there and keep, yeah, I don't know. Um, I, have no, I have no closing statements. Don't take advice from me for life. Just listen <laughs> to my music and I hope it resonates with you. I hope it, I hope it feels truthful and genuine because it is. 
and uh, that's all I have to say. Thank you so very much for being with me. This was great. Yeah, this was fun. Thank you. I hope to talk to you again soon. Of course. All um, right. Bye-bye. Right, Bye-bye <laughs> now. That was Queen of the Static Opera. We lost a little bit of audio in the beginning of our interview. Uh, more than a little bit, actually. Fortunately, the interview started to become really, really intense in the second two hours. And that is what you have tonight. The first hour and 15 minutes or so unfortunately got corrupted. Thankfully, the meat of this interview was absolutely phenomenal. Great guest, amazing musician. I had a blast talking to her. Can't wait to do it again. And until we see one another again, take good care of one another. Take good care of yourselves. Stay safe. Stay sane. Stay evil. Good night, everybody. Don't